Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of What Are You Talking About? Presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. My name is Bob. I'm hanging out talking sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's up, man? Not much. I have learned that I hate TV timeouts in college football with a passion. Yeah. No, uh, TV timeouts ruin live football events. I was I was covering the Ohio State game, and it's a primetime game, nationally televised, so that means the TV timeouts are even more exaggerated. But I just laugh every time a team takes a timeout and the ref says over the mic, this will be a 30-second timeout. No, it won't. You're going to go to like two minutes worth of commercials no matter what. Just change the rules. Or no, don't change the rules. Keep it as slow as possible that way. Because if you make it a two-minute timeout, they'll probably do four minutes of commercials. So. Yeah. Oh, man, it, it's just terrible. Every other play, it's timeout, timeout. I mean, teams get like 10 timeouts with all the TV timeouts. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's a serious... They're in a very interesting situation because TV revenue drives drives the business, but they want to fill the stadiums, but the TV is making the live show not as entertaining, so... Yeah, I think eventually they're going to have to fix fix it because it's not fun to watch, especially if the weather's bad. No, and here's the thing, though. With these college contracts, the TV contracts getting bigger and bigger and bigger, the networks are going to try to pump as many commercials in as they can. So this problem isn't going to fix itself anytime soon because whenever money is driving it, it's probably not going to change unless the fans make it change somehow. Yeah, definitely. Well, hopefully you listeners were able to watch some college football either live or from the comfort of your couches and were able to weather those TV timeouts better than my brother. But we had a crazy Saturday and we have lots to talk about. Lots of big games, a lot of upsets. Uh, Let's start off with the easy one, though. Clemson beat Florida State 23-13. Bit of a closer game than what the scoreboard reflected. Clemson didn't really have the lead till late in the third quarter. Uh, but with this victory, Clemson already has a berth into the ACC title game. Clem- Chris, Clemson was ranked number one in the college football playoff ranking that came out on Tuesday. Does this seal the deal for you? Are they Did they legitimize that ranking? They certainly legitimized the ranking, but I think they already kind of had. They had beaten Notre Dame. They had played a relatively tough schedule. I understand why they were ranked number one over Ohio State, who had been number one in both polls, because when you look at Ohio State's schedule, I don't think that there is a team that they've beaten that's currently ranked in the top 25. That's obviously going to change as the season goes on, because they have uh, you know, the two Michigan teams and then eventually probably Iowa in the Big Ten title game. But getting back to Clemson, The reason they were number one is because they had played a tougher schedule, and I didn't necessarily disagree with the pick, but they certainly legitimized it. They made the committee look smart. I think if Clemson had come out and laid an egg to Florida State, that would have not been too pretty for them, and Deshaun Watson was, you know, statistically fantastic or looked strong, 297 yards passing with a uh, passing touchdown, and then 16 carries for 107 yards with a long run of 25, so certainly helped by their by their star quarterback 23-13 coming back from being down oh no excuse me oh yeah down 10 to 6 at halftime so Clemson looked good they 
beat a team that has had their number the last few years. I think that's important as well. Florida State had won 28 consecutive conference games before losing to Georgia Tech a couple weeks ago. So the Seminoles have been dominating the ACC for the last few years. And Clemson being one of those teams that not just losing to Florida State, but being dominated by Florida State. The one two years ago with Jameis Winston, they crushed them. Then last year, Winston was suspended for that game, and they beat him in overtime with their backup quarterback. So Clemson has been a team on the verge of breaking out, and we both said in our preseason podcast, this has to be the year for Clemson because Florida State is finally down a little bit, and they delivered with a win over who has been their main rival in conference. I think it's a clear shot to the college football playoff if they can navigate what is a very manageable part of their schedule especially when you look over at the other division in the ACC, Duke getting obliterated by North Carolina after losing in a heartbreaking fashion to Miami. I don't think they're going to face much competition from now until the playoff. They should be able to navigate that path pretty easily. Yeah, definitely. I think they have three more games left on the schedule, a combined record of nine wins of those three teams, ending with South Carolina, who coincidentally is the only loss that UNC has and looks UNC looks like the team that Clemson is going to be facing in that ACC title so uh yeah very easy sailing for them Deshaun Watson like you said is the playmaker uh as long as he's healthy uh Clemson has a shot uh I don't think you know you kind of expected more touchdowns for all the yardage he put up and he didn't really turn the ball over yesterday either um I'm Clemson has always had a good offense, though. I'm, I'm impressed with the defense. Uh, Dalvin Cook, uh, Florida State's star running back, who had some dark horse Heisman potential this year. First two rushes were two rushes, 111 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, for the rest of the game, after that, 19 rushes for 83 yards. I mean, they the, the stat line for, for Dalvin Cook at the end of the day is 21 carries, 194 yards, and a touchdown, which looks ridiculously good, but... Uh, over half of that came on two rushes and then Clemson settled in and really ground that Florida State game to a halt and were able to give Clemson's offense chances to win. So Clemson looks like a, a legit team and a, and a more well-rounded team uh, than we've seen for Clemson in a long time. And I think, uh, you know, they already had the big win against Notre Dame early in the year, but for them to beat the, in, the in-conference rival who the best in-conference rival that they've had for the past couple of years. This is more of a statement game than really beating Notre Dame. This solidifies it. And I think they're for sure the number one team uh, just based off of their resume going it, going further. Yeah, no, certainly. And they've, they've also already beaten Louisville squeaked by them by three points, who is probably maybe the third, fourth best team in the conference. North Carolina is eight and one. So they definitely have an impressive record, but I certainly think that Clemson will have an easier time with them than some of the teams they've already played. And not to underestimate that South Carolina game, it's in South Carolina. They're probably going to play to spoil Clemson season. That's a big rivalry. But South Carolina's 3-6, and six and Steve Spurrier is going to retire. So that's certainly not a strong team on paper. But when you factor in the rival, anything can happen. I'm not saying they're going to upset Clemson, but uh, don't underestimate the rivalry portion of that. But their other two games, Syracuse and Wake Forest, I fully expect them to take care of business. And, yes, I agree with you that – Florida State wasn't, it was a bigger game for them than Notre Dame because of the in-conference rival factor and, and the fact that Florida State has owned them the last few years. And 
they finally got over that. They finally got over that hump. They finally got past the team that has been blocking them from greater success for the last couple of years. Because Clemson's had some very talented teams, very talented players come out of that school over the last uh, three or four years. No, yeah, absolutely. They, they are as talented as any team year in and year out for the past couple of years. So um, good to see them putting it all together. And looks like they're set their path is set for the college football playoff. Um, all right, let's move on to the seven on seven league or, Oh, I'm sorry. It's the big 12. Um, had a big game undefeated, two undefeated teams going head to head, Oklahoma state, TCU, uh, a lot of, lot, lot, on, lot on the line for this. Uh, cause Baylor's the only other undefeated team on the big 12. Oklahoma state came up big BTCU 49 to 29 Trevon Boykin, one touchdown to four interceptions while Mason Rudolph for Oklahoma State, 352 yards and five touchdown passes. Uh, that's the game right there, I'd say. Oh, certainly. And I think that Oklahoma State might be one of the few teams in the Big 12 that actually plays a little bit of defense. And I think that that will give them a big advantage when they're going down the stretch here. But yes, this was a huge statement win for Oklahoma State because when you get to a team that's been very disrespected in the course of college football, it would certainly be Oklahoma State. This is a team that has been navigating a Power 5 conference with an undefeated record, and nobody has even put them in playoff contention. The selection committee placed them behind Memphis. Not to disrespect Memphis, but number 14 for an 8 known team from a Power Conference. I mean, Iowa's ranked ahead of them, and I would think Oklahoma State's better than Iowa based on who the two teams have played. But yes, this was a huge statement win. I mean, TCU was preseason ranked number two. TCU had the advantage of having the disrespected chip last year on its shoulder. And yes, TCU was ranked outside of the top four in the initial committee rankings, but that's because the meat of the Big 12 schedule is at the end. I think if the Big 12 produces an undefeated champion, I don't see how you could place two one-loss teams at minimum ahead of that because they will have navigated a very tough schedule on the back nine. And Oklahoma State has pronounced itself, and along with Baylor, as the favorites to win the Big 12, as you said, those two being the only two undefeated teams left in the league. Yeah. Uh, man, I don't know about the defense part about Oklahoma State. I understand the four takeaways, but they still let up 650 yards uh, for the total day yesterday. I mean, I... I said for the Big 12. I guess relatively, if you can get four interceptions, then you're playing better in defense than anybody else because every team knows how to throw it in the Big 12. I'm just, if there's an undefeated team at the end of the year, yeah, they should go to the playoff. But if not, they're not, they should not. Nobody from the Big 12 should go. I, I just don't, I'm not impressed. If Oklahoma State can run the table, if they can beat Baylor and Oklahoma as well as TCU, then yeah, I think they're deserving of going. For, for Baylor, I just don't know why they're even considered a top-four team right now. They haven't played Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, or TCU yet, or even Texas. I mean, their schedule is definitely backloaded. I just want to – I need to wait and see with the with these Big 12 teams. If there's an undefeated team, they can go to the playoff. But I, I, just, I just have to see the full body of work because these – these point differentials, all the, the 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 number of points they're giving up on defense, it's just not impressive. And the teams they've played so far, say for this one game, it it really hasn't impressed me. No, I agree with you, but there's that's the reason the highest ranked Big Twelve team, despite being undefeated, was ranked sixth in the committee. Notre Dame and Alabama, both one loss teams, rated ahead of them. 
is because they haven't really played anyone. Nobody in the Big 12 has played anyone. They haven't started playing each other yet. I think once the good teams beat up on each other, and if one of them can emerge undefeated, that would be either Baylor or Oklahoma State, you can't deny them a shot at the title because undefeated in a Power 5 league is something to brag about. I think that that will be enough to get them in. I would not put a one-loss team in over them, even if it is Notre Dame, and Notre Dame only lost to the number one team. I don't care. They still lost. Undefeated speaks louder than all of that. An undefeated Power 5 Conference champion speaks louder than all that. We'll, we'll talk about all this later. I was just counting up. I believe Oklahoma State is about 45th in the nation in scoring defense, which isn't great. But again, we're talking about the Big 12 here that's still in sort of the top half of NCAA about, maybe even top third. So not not too bad. And for the Big 12, it's it's a solid enough defense that it can get things done. But as you alluded earlier, they did force four interceptions and played very well. I mean, TCU got smoked in this game. It was never even close. This is a huge statement victory for them. I expect them to be in the top 10 now. I think that they will move up into that top 10 and TCU certainly will fall out. And their playoff chances just got put on life support. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, unless disaster strikes, TCU is, is ruled out for now. Um, yeah, I think I, I that I, I enjoyed that part of the college football playoff ranking that they they are also playing a wait and see uh, with the Big Twelve. So they got uh, kudos from me on that part. Well, yeah, and it's only fair. I mean. I get. I didn't disagree with the first college football playoff ranking, mainly because last year's college football playoff ranking only one of the original four teams actually made the playoffs. So there's still a lot of football to be played. There's still a lot of great games on the schedule. This is all going to work itself out. We'll talk about the rankings a little bit later. We still got a few more really awesome games to get to. Yeah, definitely. All right. So next on the docket, uh, fe- featured two of the four college football playoff teams: LSU versus Alabama. It was CBS finally got it right. They finally had the best game in debatably the best conference. Yeah, no, I mean it certainly was the best game in that conference for the for the week. Um, well, you can make an argument for Arkansas Ole Miss being more entertaining because second half Alabama just laid on the woodwork. Nothing was going for the LSU offense. There is a point, you know, Leonard Fournette finished with 19 yards, 30. Or, 19 carries, 31 yards, and a touchdown. There's a point where he was at 14 carries and 14 yards. That was just how his night went, how stout that Alabama run defense is. If you are a power run team with no threat of a running quarterback or a passing, a legitimate passing game, Alabama just will eat you alive because they are built to stop that kind of team. We saw it happen to Georgia, and we saw it happen to LSU last night. Uh, Alabama vindicated their ranking i think for being fourth that was probably the most controversial part of the college football playoff ranking and they also got a big boost when when Ole miss lost earlier in the day so now alabama is in control of the sec again and it looks like they are controlling their destiny into the playoff yeah the more things change the more things stay the same alabama has owned the sec over the last few years and it's kind of surprising given how deep the SEC has been over the last few years that one team has consistently dominated it but let's talk about Derrick Henry 38 carries 210 yards three touchdowns you want to talk about someone who just snatched the Heisman away from Leonard Fournette that would be him this was supposed to be Leonard Fournette's statement game 
19 carries, 31 yards, and a touchdown, as you talked about. Not exactly going to get it done, especially in his highest-profile matchup of the year, giving Alabama control of its own destiny for the SEC title game and the West Division crown. That was a, a, a letdown performance at the absolute worst time for him. I do think that if he ends up not winning the Heisman, for net that is, it will be because of this game. And Derrick Henry has certainly played his way into the Heisman conversation. When you do that against an LSU team that's pretty pretty stout defensively, it's impressive. I don't care if it's home or a road. It's impressive. They just knocked off the number two team in the college football playoff rankings and ensured that the SEC champion will only have one will have one loss no matter what, and took control of its own destiny for that championship. So big win for Alabama. Certainly legitimized itself being ranked as the highest one-loss team. Man, the committee looks pretty smart this weekend. Clemson taking care of business and Alabama taking care of business. I think those were probably the two most controversial rankings, only because OSU had been ranked number one all year, and Alabama being ranked over Notre Dame, despite Notre Dame only losing to that number one team, I think were the two most controversial decisions of the committee's first ranking. Yeah, I have to say that I think they they did a a good job with with the top four ranking. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is a, a classic matchup between LSU and Alabama and it was whose run game was going to get going because Brandon Harris and Jake Coker are not uh, who you want to be leaning on on offense and Alabama is just all about the power run game Derrick Henry is impressive Uh, his numbers are impressive I think you really have to to watch Alabama to see just how important he is to that offense Uh, Leonard Fournette is definitely more flashy and had that kind of Heisman buzz going for him I don't think Derrick Henry will ever really get that unless Alabama continues to smash him down defenses for the rest of the year. Uh, that was a, a statement for Derrick Henry for sure. And for going even past the Heisman, I'm glad Leonard Fournette had a night like this because we can now finally stop talking about him sitting out for the rest of his NCAA career. Uh, if you can't beat a college team, can't perform well against a college team, like, you you need some seasoning. You need to prove that you can be a really good team because I was just getting getting pretty tired of the talk of how Fournette's already ready to go into the NFL, which maybe he is, but he's not. I don't think he's anything more special than some of the special running backs that have waited their time to go into the NFL. I would agree with that. I don't think he's any more special than some of those other running backs. Um, I also, especially when you're talking about a running back. It, it's always unfair to kind of put the whole blame on his statistical night on him. So much has to go right for the running game to get working, especially on the offensive line. So I'm not going to go that far with it, but it certainly was a bit of humble pie shown his way. And yes, I understand there was a ton of hype around him for the last few months. I I, I totally get what you're saying. But I think if you're, if you are a, a generational running back, you have enough talent yourself to, to mitigate some of the weaknesses of the offensive line or what the defense is doing. And so I'm just glad that he got shut down for a game and that we can kind of move on from that conversation. Cause I, I always think that conversation is silly. Well, he certainly is uh, served a big dose of humble pie. Let's just say yeah. that. I mean, he certainly has been taken down a couple notches. Uh, this was a big game for him, for LSU, uh, for both teams, but yeah, that, that certainly is the kind of game that loses you the Heisman. People are going to look at that in the biggest game. He did not step up 
and I certainly think that the Heisman, I th- I would say the Heisman's going to go to somebody else now. I don't know who. Uh, there are some good candidates out there. We talked about a couple of them, but I don't think he's going to win it. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so either. For Alabama, I can't, for for a dominant team, I don't understand how special teams seems to just haunt them because at the end of the first half, Alabama had was had what could have been a 55-yard field goal, and they lined up to punt it, wound the clock down all the way to one, called a timeout, and then they rolled out their kicker who then kicked a long 55-yard field goal to take the lead heading into the half, and that was kind of the momentum that they rode out for the second half. But just the indecision on special teams that seems to happen for Alabama every so often. Their punter, again, had a really bad night. For a championship caliber team i can't imagine that special teams is their achilles heel but for alabama it is and it's kind of hard to wrap my head around no team's perfect every team has a weakness somewhere and i guess for alabama it's just special teams but it didn't cost them in this game but you're right those kind of indecisions certainly have cost them in the past most notably in that epic iron bowl a few years back where all prevented back about 105 109 yards for a touchdown and uh paved their way to the college football playoff final or not excuse me the final bcs championship game where they lost to Florida State. Yeah. That is one to remember that will always be brought up whenever they kick a long field goal. <laughs> oh, certainly. Always have a guy back just in case. And be prepared if you miss it just in case. So, yeah. Uh, we, we've learned a lot of special teams lessons this year, too. Wasn't just, you know, I feel like that set the stage for this, even though that was two years ago. We've learned some special teams lessons this year, too. Yeah, I mean, we've had a uh, blocked field goal, muffed punt. We've had a kickoff lateral. And that kind of segues into our next game, which had a crazy lateral in and of itself. Arkansas defeating Ole Miss. Uh, Not an important game for either of the two teams, really, in terms of playoff contention. But up until this point, Ole Miss was a two-loss team in the SEC that did have control of the SEC West and would have wrecked any SEC team's chances of going to the playoff had they won out for the rest of the year. So Arkansas... Surprisingly, again, took it into overtime. Ole Miss goes up for the touchdown, makes it 52. They go up 52. Uh, Arkansas needs seven points. They get to a fourth and 25, make that crazy pass to the sideline. The guy blindly laterals it behind him, Gets happens to land into the running back's hands, who then runs it around to the other side for 25 yards and a first down. Arkansas then scores a touchdown. Arkansas decides to go for two. The Brandon Allen, the quarterback, is sacked. Turns out he was sacked via face mask, so they get a second chance, and then Brandon Allen runs it in for two, a walk-off, two-point conversion in overtime. I mean, that's that's how you watch a football game, man. Like That is excitement uh, all over the field, lots of points, lots of scoring. Chris, what a, what a gutsy call by Brett Bielmula to, to go for two at the end. Yeah, first, just to clarify something, uh, Ole Miss had two losses overall, but only one loss in conference. So they only lost, they beat Alabama, so they did control their own destiny for the SEC West. I think you said that, but I just wanted to make sure that everyone understood that the two losses came overall and they only have one in conference. But yeah, that's an insane way to win a football game. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see it. I was in the press box coming to Ohio State, so I didn't get to see much football. But I agree with the call for going for two. I am a huge fan of, in overtime, winning on a walk-off two-point conversion or even at the end of regulation to avoid overtime. I will never disagree with a coach who does that. I don't care what his record is. I don't care 
what his season is. I will never disagree with that call. It, it, in my blog that I wrote, it's one of the one of the re, one of the five times I will actually go for the two point conversion if I can walk off on the win. And I believe that Arkansas made the right call, and I I, I applaud Brett Bielema for making it. 53-52, knocking off Ole Miss, wrecking their chances of salvaging this season with an SEC title game. Their playoff hopes were dashed, but they could have, as you said, wrecked everyone else in the SEC by winning that conference and shut that league out of the playoffs, potentially. So certainly a huge win by uh, Arkansas. Certainly helps out some of these teams. But let's not underestimate Ole Miss here because Ole Miss still could beat LSU and Mississippi State. And if Alabama loses, believe they would still win the SEC West. So they're not out of it yet. And if that were to happen, I don't think the SEC would have a representative in the playoff. I'm not about to pick it to happen because I don't necessarily think Ole Miss is going to beat LSU and Mississippi State. But it's not impossible. The dream killer could still be alive. Yeah, it's still alive. I think um, regardless of it, if... If it's Ole Miss who would have three losses, I, I don't. I, I think it's hard to imagine a two-loss team from the SEC getting in the playoff when you're going to have so many one-loss teams around the conference making their cases for for the league. That might open up the door for say the Pac-12 champion to to come into the playoffs. So or even Notre Dame as well. So uh, more so than Ole Miss sneaking back in, I think it's just Alabama in the driver's seat. If if they lose, then I think the SEC's chances are are, are slipping away altogether but talk about these quarterbacks brandon allen six touchdown passes chad kelly three touchdown passes 110 yards rushing and three more touchdown runs i mean what what a game full of offense and i agree with you i mean if your defense which arkansas is supposed to have a kind of alabama type defense not not of that caliber but of that style of play a, a stout defense with a run game if you're giving up 52 points i mean end this game like you have the chance right there because obviously you have no no uh, semblance of stopping Ole Miss from scoring. So credit to Brett Bielema. He's a guy that people love to hate, that always puts his foot in his mouth, that says some things and uh, talks big talk, but his team falls short a lot, embarrassingly. I mean, the loss to Toledo. Uh, you know, he calls out Ohio, uh, the Big Ten a lot because of his time at Wisconsin. Uh, credit to him because I think uh, if they didn't get that two-point conversion, people would have loved to hate on him and love to tear him apart probably even more so than uh, just questioning another head coach's decision to go for two. I, I just think he's attracting some, some negativity. He's known to do that. And uh, you know, it takes guts to do that <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I certainly think that fans would have thrown some hate his way if he had failed just because he's Brett Bielema. I agree with you there. I personally wouldn't have, but I'm also not most fans. Um, so, yeah, but looking at the SEC, there are only three one-loss teams in league, and Florida's quarterback has been suspended for the rest of the year for the whole PED thing. So it's really down to just Alabama, LSU, and Florida, the traditional powers of the SEC over the last nine years, back at it again, and Alabama already beating LSU certainly controls its own destiny. If Alabama and LSU lose again, I can't see Florida getting into that playoff without its quarterback. What you know? What Ohio State got in without its quarterback? If they won the SEC at twelve and one, they probably would get in. But if those three teams lose one more time, I, I don't think any two-loss team is getting into this thing. I think at this point you're going to have to be a one-loss team unless something truly chaotic shakes out. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Florida at home only put up nine points against Vandy and needed a last-minute field goal to, to beat them. So uh, they are definitely hurting, missing their quarterback who played so well for them to start the year. And that they have a tough finish. I mean, Florida State is a is their rivalry game at the end that they're going to have to play. Florida State's a very good team. And then they're obviously going to have to play uh, some team in that SEC West. They have the win over Ole Miss, but uh, I could easily see Ole Miss coming back and beating Florida in that SEC championship hypothetically. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think Florida is a legit contender, even though they do have the record and they, they have a top 10 ranking at the moment. Uh, I just think there's a the the west the sec west offers the best team for the sec going forward certainly and florida's clinched the sec east so they will be playing in the sec title game no matter what their last few their last few games though they got south carolina they got fau not exactly tough i mean florida state will be a tough non-conference challenge for them and i actually i would probably pick florida state in that game so florida might be ending up with two losses heading into that title game which uh, which would not bode well for the SEC because Florida could be the dream killer too. If Florida wins the SEC at two losses, I can't see the SEC sending a representative. No, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that as well, especially for that second loss coming at the last, second to last game that they play on the schedule. That, that's really hard to make up. So, well, Let's talk about a team that really has been disrespected, whose only losses to Notre Dame, and just made kind of a statement this week and controls its own destiny for a New Year's Six Bowl. The Navy Midshipmen. Bob, knocking off Memphis, who I must admit I was pulling for. Our sister went to Memphis, and they were having a nice year, a revival for them, traditionally a bottom feeder. But Navy, 5-0 and in the American. Its only loss is to Notre Dame. Just beat the highest-ranked team in that conference. It controls its own destiny for a New Year's Six bid, especially now that Toledo lost to Northern Illinois, and that probably takes the Mac out of contention for a New Year's Six Bowl as well. Yeah, uh, well, whenever Navy, Army, or Air Force do well, I have it's a feel-good story just because of the school that they represent and the players that they're able to recruit and have play for them. So uh, it's good to see Navy doing well. They, they might sneak in the top 25 in a couple weeks especially with this marquee win over memphis uh they run that option that triple option uh only had five passing attempts the whole game uh the triple option is easy to stop if you are very sound on defense controlled and have lots of athleticism but it can catch a lot of guys off guard and it definitely caught memphis off guard ran the ball 66 times for 374 yards and five touchdowns it's, it's hard to stop if you don't know what you're doing and it's hard to adjust to in game. So, uh, yeah, they, they certainly made a statement when 45 to 20 over Memphis, very impressive. And just in a college football playoff perspective, this bolsters Notre Dame schedule even more. I, I, Notre Dame runs a gauntlet every year that I'm always impressed with. And now that Navy's having a good year, it, it only makes Notre Dame schedule look even better. No, I agree with that. This definitely helps Notre Dame. But let's talk about something here real quick. Because you you know the Army-Navy game, one of the coolest traditions in sports, not just in college football. Very cool tradition. But if you pay attention to college football, you know that the Army-Navy game is played a week after the conference championships. And you can see what I'm getting at here. 
You could have a situation where Navy plays in the American Conference title, wins the conference title, but would play another game after the final rankings and bowl pairings have been announced. Bob, what would the college football playoff do? Would it say Navy slash somebody else? Or or would it just put Navy in there because they've already won that title, I guess? Yeah, because they would be the highest-ranked conference champion. I guess that game wouldn't matter as much. It would matter if they were in playoff contention, but that's just kind of a weird dynamic that they have that game after the final pairings are released that could probably influence some decisions made um, if they were in contention for the playoff spot. I guess if they're only going for a bowl bid, being the conference champion is really all they need. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, thankfully, they're not wrecking the, the the playoff in of itself. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a team that thinks they deserve a shot that uh, at the bowl that Navy's going to get named to. But, you know, it's Navy. Like, if, if I... I think they deserve if they have a good year. If they continue this record, only have one loss heading into that Army game, they've won the American Conference. Uh, I think the people deserve to see them on New Year's Day because it's impressive, and for them to do it at the Naval Academy is even more impressive. So I think uh, if you're complaining, like I'm sorry that your school got knocked out, but yeah, you know, this is cool. This is something that we haven't seen, so why not support it? Well, now that Toledo's lost, the winner of the American, I believe, will get that highest-ranked non-Power 5 champion bid. So if Navy wins out, I think they'll get it regardless of what happens in the Army game. Boise State has two losses. Unless there's utter chaos and these teams get upset a lot and it allows Toledo and Boise State to play their way back in, which I don't see happening. I think they're going to beat up on each other here soon because Navy plays Houston, would probably play Temple in the American championship game. So I think Navy, Memphis, Houston, Temple, whoever wins that conference is going to get that bid designated to the non-Power 5 leagues. And so I don't think the Army game is going to matter in that regard. I think it would matter more if they were on the doorstep of the college football playoff because then you have a 12-0 team, but it's like, well, if they lose, they wouldn't be a playoff team. So I think that it would be more significant from a playoff perspective, if they were contending for that. I'm not saying the Army-Navy game is insignificant. It is, as I said before, one of the coolest traditions, one of the coolest rivalry games in all of sports, not just college football. Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, maybe maybe uh, this will spark a conversation. They might fix the scheduling or the final rankings for next year because uh, Navy's making them aware of it. They probably just assume that it wouldn't even be a – a big deal, but good for Navy. I, I like that. I like that story. I mean, I like the Memphis story as well, uh, but I think Navy's a little bit cooler. So, uh, all right, head into your favorite conference. Had a big shakeup there in the Big Ten. Nebraska playing Michigan State. Nebraska came up on top, 39-38, thanks in part to two straight touchdowns in the fourth quarter and a very controversial final touchdown pass from Tommy Armstrong Jr. Uh, Chris, did you have a chance to see the highlights, watch the end of that game? What are your thoughts on that play? Should it have been flagged or, or not? I have seen nothing. I'm sorry. Uh, it was going on while I was in the press box and got home at 3 in the morning, so I haven't had much time to watch and catch up on any of the highlights. I will say, though, that Michigan State, 
you've seen that you've seen this coming for a while now. If you've been following this team, this team has struggled against a lot of inferior competition this year. They, uh, you know, they beat Oregon. That was their one big win, but that doesn't look as big as it did when it happened. They struggled against the Air Force. They struggled. The Central Michigan game was thirty to ten, but they struggled against them. They won the Purdue by three points and needed a defensive stand when Purdue was driving. They only beat Rutgers by seven. They needed a punt miracle to beat Michigan. I mean, they had been struggling along Western Michigan. Their first game of the year, they struggled against them as well. They struggled in so many games this year that it was really only a matter of time before it kind of bit them. And Nebraska finally. You know, their luck ran out against them. Michigan State is a very good team, but I think the signs were there that they weren't an elite team this year. I'm not saying that they can't beat Ohio State. They certainly still can do that. This was a cross-division loss, so they still control their own destiny for that Big E or Big Ten East division if they were to win out because they have the tiebreaker over Michigan and Ohio State. But they still have to play Penn State, too, who, by the way, I've said here before, they're going to upset one of the two Michigan teams. Even though they lost to Northwestern, that was a very close game. A little bit of timeout mismanagement on Penn State towards the end there. But Michigan State, yeah, I, I think the signs were there, and it was only a matter of time before they got snake bit heading into that Ohio State game. Yeah, definitely. I think um, whatever karma they they used on the Michigan pump play to, to win that game, uh, it came back to get them here, and then Nebraska play uh, – the wide receiver looked like he might have stepped out of bounds before catching the pass for Nebraska to, to win the game. Uh, the refs reviewed it, said that he was pushed out of bounds. So that's that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, college football, there is some karma that goes around. It seems to always strike the teams that get lucky early in the year and it comes back and, and bites them later. So uh, yeah, Michigan State has struggled a lot. I think they're still a good team. They're just the tier below those college football playoff contenders. Uh, now they are set up to to play some upsets and to play the spoiler. Could certainly spoil Ohio State season. Uh, they have a big game, Michigan State uh, versus Penn State. So yeah, they this is a this is a this is a scenario that they are very comfortable with being the second or third best team in the Big Ten. I think uh, just the pressure of being eight and zero and being a top ten team, knowing that. If they went out, they could be a college football playoff team. It finally got to them, and I think uh, they might be a little bit more comfortable where they are now. Hey, they, they handled it a lot longer than a lot of teams did. I think ever since they beat Oregon, people pronounced them as a favorite. And for six weeks, they wore that crown pretty well. Even though they won ugly, they still won. You see a lot of other teams, like Old Miss, for example, get the big win and then two weeks later get upset. I mean... You see a lot that happen a lot of time. It's easy to get the big win. It's hard to live with the big win. That's why so many teams like Ohio State and Alabama, the tried and true teams that have proven they can run the gauntlet, being the favorite before, get the benefit of the doubt. That's why I am kind of a believer in benefit of the doubt because teams like Ohio State, teams like Alabama who have been doing it for decade, going on a decade now and with Ohio State even longer – They've proven that they can do it. Before, do this. Hats off to Michigan State. Still a fine season. And they're not dead yet. It's only one loss. Ohio State lost to Virginia Tech last year and still got in. Now, that was earlier in the year. Michigan State, if it wins out and is 12-1, still has a shot because it will be a conference champion. And we're going to talk about this in a minute. But the committee is told to place 
emphasis on winning your conference. So I think if they were to win out at 12-1 and and have a conference title, that would be something to have over other one-loss teams. So I don't know how things are going to shake out. There is going to be some more chaos here. If the Big 12 beats itself up, that can move a few teams out of their way. If Notre Dame loses another game, which is possible because it plays Stanford down the stretch here, certainly possible for some chaos to get Michigan State back into that playoff. But now it has to win out. There's no room for error. Yeah, no, definitely no room for error. Um, yeah, so you were at the Ohio State game. What are your thoughts on that? And uh, did they did they look okay? Well, they looked okay at best. Uh, I think it's safe to say Cardell Jones is not the quarterback everyone thought he was. And I think that when JT Barrett comes back from his suspension, he will be the starter for the rest of the season unless he gets hurt. Um, Ohio State's offense looked different, just did, did not have it, whatever it is. But credit to Minnesota's defense. Minnesota does have a solid run defense. J, uh, excuse me, Ezekiel Elliott, 14 straight games of 100 yards rushing or more. That's a guy who should be a Heisman finalist. He is the heart and soul of that Ohio State offense. But the last team to hold them to less than 100 yards was Minnesota last year. So Minnesota's run defense is pretty strong. They, he had to just, it was, it was like running through a meat grinder, man. He had like 26 carries for 114 yards. I think he only had like 83 yards at through three quarters, 55 yards on 18 carries at halftime. So it, it wasn't a pretty rushing performance, but it was one of those just get the ball, get a few yards, get the ball, get a few yards. Okay, break a eight-yard gain. It was not a pretty game, but he got it done. Zeke. Coming through again. And the defense, Von Bell had a big interception, a pick six with six minutes left in the second quarter for the first score of the game by either team. It was 0-0 until then. A lot of punting, a lot of three and outs. So not a very exciting game to watch, but it was one where Ohio State was down at starting quarterback and found a way to win against an opponent who has had a disappointing year but is still a, a solid team. I wouldn't say they're a top 25 team. They're probably on that tier below probably a top 50 team, but a solid team and playing with a lot of emotion because Jerry Kill stepped down a few weeks ago. So they've been giving a lot of teams a really good shot. I'm not trying to say it's quality win or anything, but as far as, you know, second tier teams go, you can do a lot worse than Minnesota. Ohio State did what it needed to do. It's Illinois next week. And then we'll finally get to see what the Buckeyes are made of because they have not beaten a team currently ranked in the top 25. Yeah, no, I, Ohio State is, if if not for winning the national championship last year and returning most of their, their talent, I would put them in the same boat as the Big 12 teams. I just need to wait and see when they go up against a quality opponent. Um, I get what you're saying with Minnesota. Uh, I think since Jerry Kill left, they've, uh, it's very emotional, but I think they're not as sound as they were earlier in the year. And, you know, they're four and five right now. It, it's, it's that... It's a good win for, for OSU, but it's not a test. And we just have to wait for those Michigan games to really see what what the Buckeyes are made of and, and if they really are a college football playoff team this year. But with the national title from last year, they are getting benefit of the doubt. I don't think that they, uh, without losing, are, are deserving of being knocked out of contention right now. So uh, good for them to to weather the storm with, with missing Barrett because they didn't have that blanket to fall back on if, if Jones struggled again um thankfully the nfl draft does not happen until april and it doesn't happen in september because <laughs> there'd be a really disappointed team with cardell jones right now 
Uh, well, first off, I had said back in January he should come back to school because he would get exposed. He would have gotten exposed during the combine. He would have been drafted and gotten exposed during training camp if he's struggling like this. I don't think he would be on a roster right now. I don't think he would have made it out of training camp or preseason with the way he's played, based on the way he's played in college. So I do think from that standpoint it was a smart move for him to come back to school because I don't even think he would have gotten paid. He wasn't going to get guaranteed money because he wasn't going to go in the first two rounds. He, he People said he would have been a third-round pick. I don't think he would have been a third-round pick. I think he would have fallen further because you saw guys like Bryce, Brett Hudley fall to the fifth round, and Brett Hudley was a ton better than Cardell Jones. He had proven experience not to steal a political phrase. But Cardell Jones, I don't think, would have been more than a fifth-round pick had he gone last year. And I think the evaluation process would have exposed him a little bit based on what I'm seeing now. Um, not to pile on the guy I advocated for the Browns to take number one overall in our preseason podcast, um, but you know what? He's shown that that there's just something missing. I mean, he has all the physical tools. He's just not putting them all together on the field. Yeah. And I mean, he still has another year if he wants to come back as well. So, oh, he's going to come back if he's not getting drafted yeah. this year. I can assure you. Yeah. But all right. So, as you all know, the college football playoff rankings that we've alluded to all podcast were released last week, and we've we've mentioned some of the decisions. You know, Clemson number one, Alabama number four. In case you guys were living under a rock, LSU was two, and Ohio State was three. So those are the four playoff teams right now. Obviously, LSU lost could drop out of the rankings maybe not who knows Alabama's probably solidified itself so Bob without knowing what the rankings will be on Tuesday who would you have in your top four and who would you say is the best one loss team out there um well my top four would be Clemson number one uh yeah I actually I, I think I advocated for them to be number one a few weeks ago and we said who's the best team in the NCAA so sticking to my guns too props yeah. to that man Thank you. Um, and then uh, number two, Ohio State, just because LSU lost, uh, OSU still undefeated. I think it would be a little unfair to put a, a one-loss team ahead of them. Uh, then Alabama, number three, uh, the win against LSU legitimized it. They were ranked number four last year or last week. Makes sense for them to move up a spot. And then I have to give a nod to Notre Dame and what they've done, a win at Pittsburgh. Wasn't the prettiest of wins, but you know Notre Dame – has sustained injury after injury continues to find a way to win uh only lost to the number one team in my rankings which was at clemson they have wins against georgia tech wins against usc at temple and now at pittsburgh i mean notre dame is putting up a good body of work and i think uh, the teams they played are more impressive than anybody the big 12 has played so far and uh, they have another matchup at the end of the year against Stanford. So that will decide really uh, it could potentially decide the fourth playoff spot in a lot of rankings with Stanford also being a one loss team in the driver's seat for the Pac-12. So I'm giving on the nod to Notre Dame best one loss team. I think uh, just with the statement win that Alabama had against number two ranked LSU last night uh, for this week, Alabama looks like the best one loss team could understand given the nod to Notre Dame or Stanford, but I'm going with Bama on that one. Yeah, my rankings are going to differ from yours just a little bit, and here's why. Because I understand what the committee's doing. Uh, the committee's ranking teams as they see them right now and not projecting out. But I'm going to project out a little bit because 
Only there, there are three Power Five conferences that can still produce undefeated champions. That's the Big Ten, the ACC, and Big Twelve. If that happens, if any one of them produces an undefeated champion, they're going to the playoff. I don't care how tough Notre Dame's been, Alabama's been. The committee is going to put an emphasis on that conference championship and undefeated record. So for me, Clemson, Ohio State, and right now Oklahoma State are in my top four because they have a chance to be undefeated Power Five champions. And if that happens, it's going to squeeze Alabama or Notre Dame out. So right now, those three are in my top four. And then I have Alabama four, Notre Dame five, with Stanford six. I think if Stanford wins its league, don't underestimate being the best or second best one loss power five champion. And Stanford plays Notre Dame. I think the winner of that game is the clear cut fifth team if one of those three undefeated Power 5 champions fail to win out. And I'm not saying Oklahoma State is necessarily a better team than Alabama or Notre Dame. I'm just saying if Oklahoma State wins out, they are going to be in that playoff. There is no way that they're going to leave out an undefeated Power 5 champion. So I, I, I agree with your rankings. I'm not saying you're wrong about those being the four best teams, but I think that the conference championship factor and the undefeated record factor if the Big 12 produces one, Baylor or Oklahoma State, I think it would be Oklahoma State, they would be in the college football playoffs. So I have Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, and Alabama as the top four. You could argue Alabama three and Oklahoma State four, that's fine. And Notre Dame and Stanford as my five and six waiting in the wings. I think the winner of that game is the next team on deck should one of those three undefeated teams stumble. I, I totally understand that argument. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think undefeated Big 12 champion has to be given the nod. Uh, I said it in the preseason when we were predicting college football playoffs, and I'm going to say it again now. I don't think there's going to be an undefeated champ in the Big 12. I, I just think they're all going to knock each other out of contention. And then the lack of a bona fide conference championship game is going to leave them out, out in the cold again. I think Baylor could potentially lose three times. Yeah, That's a bold I, prediction, but I think Baylor could potentially lose three times. And I also think that that Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game is going to be bloody this year because that's a big rivalry, and those two teams are going to go at it. TCU and Baylor end the year in the Big 12. I believe Oklahoma-Oklahoma State ends the year for those two. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't necessarily think there will be an undefeated champion, but the way I'm doing my rankings is I'm, I'm putting the teams in the top four that have a chance that – if they went out, in my opinion, we'll be in. And that's Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, and Alabama with Notre Dame, Stanford, and Baylor actually on deck because Baylor could win out and get that bid as well. So I would say those four teams are in. Notre Dame, Stanford, and Baylor next men up should something happen. And Baylor can play its way in by beating, winning out. And then Notre Dame and Stanford, the winner of that would be the fifth team, the best one-loss team not named Alabama and would take one of their spots if one of those other four were to stumble. Yeah, no, I, I I totally understand that train of thought. Just I approached it a little bit differently. And uh, good news is the Big 12 will definitely sort itself out, uh, and a lot of these teams will sort itself out. So And, and will... Notre Dame Stanford is going to sort itself out. They play each other. So that that is a huge game on the college football schedule. That is going to potentially decide a playoff spot. Yeah, ab- absolutely. There's a... Thankfully, there's a lot of these teams are going to play each other. So uh, predicting and arguing aside, and, you know, we're going to have another debate about some other team because something crazy is going to happen because that's just how this year has been. So hey, I look hey, forward to what, it. 
But here's a question for you. What if Iowa is 13 and up? Uh, 13 and 0 meaning they they've won the Big 10 as well or Well, yeah, yeah, they'd be 12 and 0 and then they win the Big 10 title. 13 and 0, their best wins are Northwestern and Pittsburgh. And then of course whoever they face in the Big 10 title game. Say it's an undefeated Ohio, Ohio State. Say they knock them off and Ohio and Iowa's the 13 and 0 team. They beat Ohio State, they beat Northwestern and Pittsburgh. Those are their three best wins. Do you put them in the playoffs? I think you have to. If, if especially if the if they beat an undefeated OSU in that championship game, I think you have to. I think uh, they look like a very weak team, but I think you have to. I, I kind of agree with you because if that were to happen, you know, TCU is going to move out of their way. Michigan State is going to move out of their way. So they're going to move up to seven. They're nine right now. They're going to move up to seven. Baylor and Notre Dame could p- potentially could be brushed aside. And then if we want to go transitive property here, Iowa beat Northwestern, who beat Stanford. So do you put Stanford in over Iowa? I don't necessarily think so. I would say you have to give them the nod as an undefeated Power 5 champion, even though if there is a team I'd leave out being an undefeated Power 5 champion, it might be Iowa because they really haven't played anyone. But I wouldn't. I, even, even then, I wouldn't because 13-0 in the Big Ten is still very impressive. Again, I don't think there's going to be more than two undefeated Power t- 5 champions. I still think between Clemson, Ohio State, and Baylor and Oklahoma State, one of those teams, well, Baylor and Oklahoma State, is definitely gonna, one of them is definitely going to lose. But I don't think the big all three of those conferences will be an undefeated champion. Yeah, I don't really think so. I, I'm still putting my money on the Big 12 losing. So I would say Big 12 is the most likely to lose, and then the Big 10 is the second most likely to lose because – I could certainly see Iowa losing in the Big 12, 10 final or getting upset beforehand. And I certainly could see Ohio State losing to Michigan or Michigan State. So I would say Big 12 is most likely, Big 10 second most likely. I think it's pretty safe bet that Clemson's going to win out. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. I think uh, Clemson has the safest remaining uh, schedule. So. All righty, man. Well, we didn't have much time to talk about anything else because so much awesomeness happened in college football. So hopefully you're a college football fan and we didn't string you along expecting something else was at the end of this podcast. We do apologize, but guess what? We'll be back next week with more stuff. There's a lot of other things to talk about. The NFL is getting great. NBA still starting. We'll probably mention that at some point, but, uh, Still early there, and of course, you know, we've just got a lot of other sports to talk about, and we'll get to it next week. But for now, we have to bid you guys adieu. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your support. Please come to FenleyRoadSports.com. We have a lot of great blogs up there. Bob just finished up a four-part series on the AFC South. Check it out. I've got a couple things up there as well. You can subscribe via iTunes through that website. The link's there. Hit subscribe and give us a good rating because we'd like to think we do a pretty good job. Not to beg you guys or anything, but follow us on Twitter too, FenleyRDSports, and on Instagram, FenleyROADSports. Come back to FenleyRoadSports.com. Keep listening to What Are You Talking About, and we'll be back next week. But until then, take care. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Take it easy, Bob.